What's up? Welcome to Did That Age Well. It's the podcast where my guests and I recap and review the movies from when we were young and we talk about how they hold up. And today we are blessed once again with my new friend, Will Winter. You know him from the podcast, The Good, The Dad, and The Ugly. You know him from almost getting canceled for talking with me about Fight Club. (laughs) Will, welcome back. I feel emboldened because I didn't get canceled on the Fight Club pod. So now, <laughs> so now I'm going to be bringing the hot fire. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> let's go. Yes, uh, let's fucking go. <laughs> get rid of me. Uh, I argued for, I don't know. I, I don't know. what I don't remember what was said on the Fight Club pod. We don't need to rehash it. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, listeners if you're curious just go back and listen to it you don't we yeah. don't need to recap it for you you have the receipts so just it's a good go movie back. yeah it's it's a pretty cool movie <laughs> <laughs> um you got engaged since we last spoke congratulations hey thanks so much i'm very Hi. excited how yeah i was just gonna say how excited are you but you already answered my question with very excited i'm very (laughs) Very excited excited. for you this is awesome it's really cool i feel like a a big time adult when you can actually uh and i'm like getting engaged to the right person i'm not doing it because not just anyone but the right one who you actually want to be married to the actual one i knew it from the first moment that i saw her and i heard her laugh and (laughs) We're meant to be together, and uh, I'm not forcing a square peg into a round hole. She's just, she's everything. She's the best. Oh. It's not even funny. It's never, it's just straight up <laughs> sincerity. This is, I love her. This is sincerity hour on the pod. Listeners, you never thought you'd get it. And here we are with the real shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I dude. couldn't be happier for you. It, yeah, Thank it just you. seems like it seems perfect. And that's what you want to see. We love to see people getting engaged. You're like, that seems, that seems right. It seems like they really should be doing this because it's not always that way. It's certainly not always that way. It's certainly not that way. You, I'd say like the first weddings that I went to out of college, I had two uh, friends get divorced out of those. Oh God. Already. (laughs) But they, you know, they kind of, yeah, it was hard because they hadn't really found themselves and who they were in the right. world yet. It's tough. Um, and then I've hit a sweet spot in the last three or four years where I think everybody that's gotten married that I've been to in the past three or four years, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to be around for a while. Yeah. And all those people are having kids and it's looking pretty solid for them. I'm on the later end of all my friends to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I just thought it was going to take me a while because I'm I'm a weird guy and I need a. <laughs> a weird lady that yeah uh just kind of fit me and I found I found my person (laughs) we have the same like yeah (laughs) horrific sense of humor and like it's just the best you need that oh that's great when are when are y'all gonna uh try and get married um the little bit of uh, up in the air right now so Mm -hmm. depending on when her sister gets married her sister has dibs um so maybe early summer maybe next september 
Sweet. But we're just going to have a big house party in New York. All the listeners of the pod, Molly, of course, you're invited. Oh, thank you. Big house party in New York. Uh, 10,000 10, people can come. Uh, <laughs> we're just going to have sandwiches and get drunk and dance on a roof. I can't wait. Oh, mm-hmm. it's going to be a blast. <laughs> it's going to be the best time we've ever had. Well, let's take a sharp turn from all of this uh, wonderful news to talk about this two and a half hour movie, Forrest Gump. It's the best. <laughs> I just okay. watched it today. You did? Okay. I just, I just finished it today. I have to say right off the bat that I forgot how long this movie was and I had to split it up into two days. I sat down to watch it yesterday and I got about 45 minutes through and was like, dude, I just can't do it anymore. I've got to watch this tomorrow. <laughs> now, what made, what was the fatigue? I mean, a lot happens in the first 45 minutes. I, going back oh today, I was just like, God damn. I know. His entire childhood happens and his entire college career happens. We've got a lot of like historical events that happen in the first 45 minutes. Like, I think that what, what made it drag out so long was just all of the placement of these like historical events. Yeah. Like it just makes it like, oh God, what's fucking next? What's it doesn't what's really hit its stride until the Lieutenant Dan relationship. Then it kind of settles yeah. into more of a movie. Yeah. But like, yeah, that first 45 minutes, it kind of almost feels like it's forcing the historical mm-hmm. footage in yeah. there. Like, I mean, I get like having JFK, that's a fun thing to do it, but like the whole George Wallace thing is pretty Alabama centric. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a bigger event in 94, but I think that uh, nobody talks about George Wallace as much in 2021. Yeah. People talk about like Brown versus Board of Education, but him specifically, it was an interesting choice that like they really hammered that in there with Forrest doing the. Right. Yeah. I uh, I think that a lot of a, a lot of people like know about that event because of this movie. Like people yeah. our age. I, well, in the '90s at that time, there was a lot of stuff. I remember, like I think Gary Sinise played George Wallace in a TV movie. Oh. Um, and it was like a big thing talked about in the '90s. George Wallace as a figure. I remember like watching like a 60 Minutes thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is also like the other thing I was thinking about is I don't I didn't get to go to see this movie in theaters, but I saw it in 94 because I remember watching it on VHS oh, really? frequently. OK, and it was not this is not I'm not showing my eight year old this. Movie, dude. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's so fucking dark. It's very dark. And there's like a lot of there's a lot of like super adult humor. And then it's like there's a lot of I, the sense of humor of this movie is weird because it's like I have it playing on in the background right now. Uh, it's like <laughs> slightly cynical, um, but also like very sentimental, mental and hopeful. It's kind of like the two attitudes of the 90s mm-hmm. grafted on top of each other. So it's got this like yeah. hunky dory, like Clinton era, like everything's going to be great yeah. for forever mixed with this like Nirvana Jen's cynicism underneath it and it's really interesting but it's also like a lot to take in yeah I didn't even notice today when he comes himself when he premature ejaculates when he touches Jenny's boob yeah and then I didn't even there's like little throwaway lines I never noticed when he's just like I'm sorry I ruined your bathrobe Jenny (laughs) 
and <laughs> little things like that. Yeah. I even forgot about, I forgot about how she has sex with the principal, how Sally Field has sex with his principal. Oh, you, that's like one thing that has really stuck with me. Like since the first time I saw this, I was like, holy shit, we are starting off strong with Sally Fields <laughs> fucking the principal. How do we feel about that? I think it is so bizarre. I think that it's supposed to be like, oh my gosh, look at his mom. She cares so much that she would even fuck this like weird ass p- principal. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was it's hard to tell if it was a commentary on like, isn't it sad that kids with special needs couldn't go to school with other kids? Or if it's also supposed to be like, wow, a good mom would fuck your principal to make sure you can go to school. So, okay. So there's two issues in here. I want to attack the first one (laughs) first. I was thinking about this. I have a note here. Okay. One of the things that I'm not sure age as well is the you're no different than anybody else which is something that sally field preaches to him Mm -hmm. and does it age well would forrest have benefited from receiving some sort of special education (laughs) that could have helped him out a little bit in life yeah i think i think yes because that's the whole like this whole plot rests on the fact that Forrest Gump is like, he has no agency. He's just there. He's like simple-minded and he remarkably lucky, remarkably lucky. And it, because he's told like, you're no different from anyone else. People are not different from anyone else. He's basically like colorblind. He's not political. He's not like um, Which is can be good things like, you know, he's he yeah. never like he doesn't judge anybody about anything. If you're nice right. to him, even if you're not that nice to him, he'll be your friend. <laughs> yeah. If you're supposed yeah. to be your friend, he'll be your friend. But it's also like, yeah, it's just like, damn, man, like Forrest probably could have been it. Like if he didn't have Jenny to teach him how to read, he would have yeah, been Yeah, he fucked. wouldn't know how to fucking read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I get it because like I know that dealing with. I, you know, I have family members with not intellectual disabilities, but uh, like hearing and sight disabilities. Huh? And yeah, you do want them to feel like normal and that they're not that different, but also you want to accommodate right. uh, things to make it easier for them to be able to be in the world. It's a fine right. line to cross, but I guess like, I was just like, damn, I wanted forced in special ed. I think he could have really been helped out. <laughs> He could have benefited a lot. I think that it's also, we're also supposed to take away from this like mom sleeping with the principal thing that in that time that kids who had disabilities were often just like sent away. They'd go to a school where they like didn't give a shit about the kids or they'd be like sent to basically like an asylum. I think that because they said something, the principal was telling Sally Fields like, oh, well, you should probably just like send him away, basically. I think, yeah, I think it was a commentary on special education at the time where it's like, yeah, you're either like, there was no class for kids with like dyslexia or kids that were just like a little bit behind the curve. It was either you were full on mentally disabled Mm -hmm. or you were going to normal school with other kids. There was no 
tweener, right. but they don't really do a great distinction of doing that no. in the movie of why she was so adamant that her son was like everybody else. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. I also love that the uh, we never find out what's up with Forrest's dad. Yeah. What the fuck happened to him? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it's I guess weird. it doesn't matter. Well, it's like they live in the South, which is very like prim and proper. And she is a single woman who is a business owner who apparently will trade sex to <laughs> but yet she's treated normally and not ostracized in this town. She seems to have a good relationship yeah. with everybody she encounters. Now that is not the experience of traditional deep South that right. I've come to know that, that part, like I'm in rewatching this. I'm just like, wouldn't they have treated Sally field like fucking shit. And then yeah. forced even worse for being her son. Yeah. You would think like, we see that he gets teased at school. But that's for being dumb. That's not yeah. for anything to do it's with his family. For, it has nothing to do with his family. It's like just for his like intellectual capacity. And also because he's wearing leg braces. Like they <laughs> yeah. tease him for that. But like, they're not like, oh, I heard your mom fucked the principal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, if he was slow, had the braces, and then on top, they knew oh, that, God. like, this kid would be buried. <laughs> like, he would never have I any know. chance. And th- so thank God he had Jenny. I mean, my God. <laughs> uh, I love, I, uh, I do, why rewatching it, it's like, there's so much good. Jenny as a character has had, I think that the, hackneyed way to like look at her is the the thing that straight white dudes do which is uh you know he fucking loved her and all she did was (laughs) suck everybody else's dick and get aids and then leave him with a baby and then die yeah yeah (laughs) which is a, a kernel of truth to that but also Jenny really did care about Forrest and we're like dudes, normal dudes will like look at Forrest Gump and be like, A, see themselves in Forrest Gump, which I think is funny. Like I'm just such <laughs> so stupid and true. But then also like not be like, yo, why should Jenny be attracted to this like guy who's nice, but like incredibly dumb. Yeah. Um, as if like, just because he loves her that that's, that he's giving her what she needs. Yeah, like like as if because he loves her that she owes him love as well. <laughs> like the same type of love, romantic love. Exactly. Yeah. I think that it sucks how Jenny is basically I mean, she's like punished throughout this whole movie as a character. Like yeah, Jenny is a shitty friend and we hate to see that. And she does But she like, was raped as a kid. Yeah, but she was raped as a kid. And then she basically, like, as a result of getting involved in counterculture, it, like, continues to be abused, wants to kill herself, um, becomes addicted to drugs, and then gets AIDS. Like, I feel like that is, that's a message that's not aging well for me. Like, when they go, especially, like, when they go to the Black Panther Party gathering. And she gets hit by that guy. And she gets hit by that guy. And, like, the way that, I guess, all of, like, the, counterculture activists are portrayed are like as evil and they're trying to manipulate Jenny and they're just like predators basically I see I kind of like that <laughs> why because I'm I am I, I think that I'm 
I probably have similar politics to this movie. The one the more I examine myself. <laughs> <laughs> so cancel away. Um, I think that both, I think that this, okay. So I was reading up a little bit about this and people seem to think that this is a conservative movie. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you thought. About I don't that. think it is. Okay. Why? Um, it's a comedy and Tom Hanks doesn't think that this, he thinks this is a politically agnostic movie. I think it is too. I think it gives both sides shit. So if you notice when he, if, if, he, if this is truly a conservative movie, it glorifies the war experience mm-hmm. and the reasons that we were in the Vietnam war. And from all he says, he's just like, yeah, Vietnam. He's just like, all we did was walk and look for Charlie and we never found Charlie. Mm -hmm. He talks about how he's good at being in the army because all you have to do is say, yes, yes, drill sergeant. And the guy's just like, when the drill sergeant is yelling at him, he's just like, you must be a goddamn genius. So it's saying (laughs) that somebody who has a low level IQ where they put in the bad range under 70 makes Mm -hmm. the perfect soldier. So it's also making that statement about the army. Yeah. And it's like, I also think that the people that I know, the most activist people on my liberal friends are also some of the biggest dirtbags I've ever met in my entire life. And I don't like the way that they (laughs) handle themselves personally. I think we see that time and again. It's just like the louder and more vocal somebody is about joining a movement, the more fucked up personally they are. So I was just like, when I see that both sides equally suck and that you have these two people kind of caught up in the fray. Right. Uh, I I don't know. I identify with that part of it. Like something about it, seeing like the woke guy beating a woman and then right. just being like, it's just fucking Johnson, man. I was just like, exactly. I see that shit all the fucking time. <laughs> Everybody's a piece of shit on both sides. That's my, the, but okay. the, that's my cancelable comment. Uh <laughs> The first of many listeners. The, the first, first of many. many. You know, okay, I I hear you, and I think your perspective on the way that they depict the war is actually it is actually super interesting, and I agree. I think that there's also this undercurrent that if you are just kind of like a white man who plays by the rules and just kind of goes along, like chugging along with the American dream that like you will be great and you will be fine. And maybe you'll even be a hero if you just- What about Gary? What about Lieutenant Dan though? Okay, yeah, Lieutenant Dan. We need to talk about Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So Lieutenant Dan is is a white man who- it most definitely doesn't go how we planned it. I guess it does end up, I mean, there is something to be said that like I was thinking about how fucked up it is that uh, Bubba dies and Forrest is just living out the dream that his friend never got to live. Right. He does give Bubba's mom a whole fuck ton of money. Uh, so it's not like he's doing it like crazy selfishly, just stealing this man's dream. But uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I get that part of it. Part of that was just like some 90s, like Clinton, like mm-hmm. it was just, it was, you know, <laughs> being an eight-year-old, I really can't comment on it, but I think it was when it was like the peak of white manness, I want to say was mm-hmm. that stretch. I mean, all of human history, but we really reached our apex <laughs> <laughs> in my childhood Yeah, um, all the way up. I mean, you can argue that it's still going on today. I think we're going a little bit down, but we're definitely... Mm-hmm 
like too close to the sun in 94. Yeah. 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 And then started to fit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. With Lieutenant Dan, I think he does embody lost dreams, the, the loss of hope and the regaining of hope. Like he's probably the most complex character. And that's what I really like about him. Like he's someone who I admire and get annoyed with. And then I'm frustrated and then I'm like happy again. And then I get it. And I'm like, war fucks you up. I understand why he's mad, but, um, do you think he represents a conservative ideology? I don't know. In part, I think he does because it's sort of like, as long as you have friendship and you work hard, you too can have hope. That's kind of the message I got. Or like he works, he goes from like being presumably homeless to having like this success with, with forest pretty easily. So yeah. But I don't know if that's, is that a conservative idea? Like I, I don't the think idea that it's like easy with hard work to be able to find success. Well, the hard work and a little bit of like, I don't like that Republicans get to like own hope. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like what, like, is it only conservative if like the government intervenes and gives you a stepping <laughs> stool to success? Like that's fucking seems shitty to me. Um, right, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it is. In- it's interesting. Did conservatives own hope until Barack Obama made it his like slogan and then they like took it back after I mean what's the deal that's one of the arguments of this movie is that Newt Gingrich kind of commodified what he saw was a conservative element in this movie but I I think it's super interesting that Gary so Gary Sinise is one of the most if not the most prominent Republican in Hollywood Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a strict Roman Catholic. He has like six kids and he was obsessed with like pushing John McCain out there. I don't think he was a Trump guy, yeah. Um, but he is a real like military guy. And this performance is kind of odd because it certainly doesn't glorify the Vietnam War. It certainly doesn't make it clear what our reasons for being there was. And then it shows like uh, the real disillusionment and pain of a guy who lived that life. And it's not right. like at the end of the movie, uh, he's healed by his country. He's healed by his friendship with Forrest and his success yeah. as a businessman. But it's not like you don't get the feel that like the VA turned Lieutenant Dan around. Right. Okay. True. True. Um, yeah. So that's why I think I think this movie is actually how I like it, because it's like it's a little bit more complicated. It's a little bit more true to life where motivations are like layered and like people can be on the right side ideologically. Like, obviously, the dude who beats Jenny is probably standing up for the right things ideologically Mm -hmm. in the streets. But he's a fucked up dude in his personal life. Lieutenant Dan, uh, you know, has this like great war legacy that he didn't live up to it. It makes him act like a complete fucking dickhead to his right. best friend. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The nineties were like, they just made him better. <laughs> they, there's no fucking way this movie gets made today. And it's like, no. it's so layered on layered on layered on layered. Uh, 
And it's told it is done through just like the simplest story of a dim-winded southern gentleman. And I can't right. even like how do you describe this movie's tone? This is not gonna be on fucking Netflix or Hulu or whatever right. streaming service. They'll never take a risk like this to put this in theaters ever again. It's all over. Every I- time I come on this podcast, <laughs> I'm watching something from the 90s that reminds me that the world as we know it is fucking over. It's only Marvel movies forever. <laughs> And fucking stupid miniseries. Like, nobody would just make a, a movie that's like this, which is a grand sweeping statement about 30 years because there's too many risks involved. I feel like it would be risky to make this movie today. In the 90s, I feel like this movie was the opposite of risky. I feel like they made it trying to... Like, I think that there is an undercurrent of conservative values, but on the surface, at least they tried to make it like, we've got a little something for everybody. They tell us like exactly how we're supposed to feel at any point in time. It's like, it's funny. And then it's sad. And then it's earnest. Then it's funny. And then it's sad. There's like three people who die in the span of like 40 minutes. And it's like the same thing. I don't know. I just think this movie was not that risky. It's just kind of like, I do at the time. What other movie? What movie is like this? I don't know. There's nothing really like it. (laughs) It's the only thing. (laughs) Because it did everything. And if you wrote this down and you're pitching this to the studio, we're like, we're going to be like, what's this movie about? Uh, It's literally about the past 30 years, every major event in American history. Oh, is it a comedy? Yeah. Is it a drama? It's not about those events it's just like they're they're there yeah this movie isn't even really about anything i think wait you have to understand american history to really like this movie not really a little bit i mean i guess to be it's how me and you probably learned about a lot of this shit yeah it's true it is i think that it's more of the reverse like this movie was kind of like an invitation as a kid to learn more about american history rather than the opposite of like having to understand American history in order to understand this movie. Like, even if there are some, some of like the people he met along the way, like, let's say I'd never heard of John Lennon and I saw that interview, like I wouldn't get it, but it's like the plot would still go on. I wouldn't be confused as to like where we were going with this movie. Everything, every like event is just kind of there and the joke is that it's there or the point is that it's there and there isn't anything it helps you appreciate some of the jokes more i can think if you know the history like and that's what i'm doing as i come around now yeah i i want to so i think that the conservative streak is the jenny storyline specifically we focus on the it's that a girl who grows up in a bad home with a bad dad uh but it's still good, so, you know, still like, I don't know, assumingly she does well in schools or whatever. She was mm-hmm. good friends with Forrest, goes out into the world. Uh, I was just watch, re-watching the part where he talks about how she expanded her mind and she starts busking. She ends up in L.A., goes up to San Francisco. She ends up in the Playboy, uh, strip clubs, cocaine, suicide. Yeah. Uh, HIV before or after she's pregnant, we don't know. Un- uncertain. 
Well, they 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 just say virus. I don't think they say HIV. Yeah, they don't act. They don't explicitly say HIV, but like we know that's what it is. And then the baby helps her to calm down some of the wilder aspects of her life, yeah. and she becomes the sweet Jenny that uh, Force always knew her to be. Right. So if women could just settle down, stop doing coke and have a baby, then maybe they wouldn't want to fucking kill themselves. Okay, but I relate to Jenny (laughs) because I've lived similar scenes to her. Uh, I don't want to be a downer, but I've had serious bouts of drug addiction in my life. Yeah, yeah. Specifically cocaine addiction. Mm -hmm. And I would say that this is an honest depiction of it. I don't do cocaine anymore. I had about a 10 year run where I really took it to the limit. I Mm -hmm. I had two to three year periods of sobriety within that run. And then I would run it back up. Yeah. And now I have calmed my lifestyle down. Part of that is because I found the right person for me. True. And because I am focused on becoming a father. Yeah. So those wild child impulses of me have calmed down now is that a conservative theme running through my life perhaps uh yeah maybe <laughs> i don't know well <laughs> i just hate that like liberalism like we have to like be like I well know. it's like what she it has to be able to blow lines with her son and like live her tr- like it's like you know sometimes people just yeah. calm down because they have a kid yeah and that's that's not conservative either yeah i mean a lot of my friends like in my recovery community who are older either like getting pregnant or like having a new responsibility in their Centers life, whether you. that's it, like, yeah, it kind of can be the turning point. And so I don't think that it's like a recipe for solving your problems. Listeners don't have a kid just to stop your problems. Okay. It's not going to fix your problems, but it might. <laughs> hey, it might, it might not. Uh, my podcast mate, Casey, the other day was watching Mad Men. And the lesson that he learned from it was that you could be like Don Draper and be a drunk who smokes a thousand cigarettes and hate your wife, but <laughs> you're still kind of a cool guy. If you love your children, not that you're a good dad, but you just really, but you're at least a cool you. guy <laughs> and we all still love you. So yeah. Um, I, and uh, I still know plenty of animals who have children. Oh God. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm firmly in the camp that this movie isn't, I'm not letting the conservatives take Forrest Gump from me. Yeah. I'm not having it. This I'm not is having our form it. of resistance. I, you've, you've convinced me as well. I think as an act of resistance, I will say, no, you don't get to have this movie. This movie and not every movie has the, has politics, man. Like, Everything has politics, but here's why this movie wouldn't get made today is because it it rides an ambiguous line and it's complicated. If this yeah. movie was made today, Jenny, like it would be skewed one way or the other. It'd probably be yeah. a, like Jenny, instead of having this complicated portrayal of somebody going through some shit and trying to find themselves after mm-hmm. growing up in a shitty, shitty place, it would be like much more straight and narrow. And they would probably make Forrest even dumber. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, probably. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot. I'm yeah. really, I'm really in my head now thinking about all this. You know, 
I don't think I expected coming into this conversation that you were going to love this movie the way that you do. I, I, maybe I don't. (laughs) I think you do because I found myself rolling my eyes throughout this entire experience. There are a few things I like, but for them, like, I love. Give me your top eye rolls. Okay. Top eye rolls include, um, Okay. Wow. That's, this is going to be tough. Okay. So I think Forrest continually punching the guys who hurt Jenny and Jenny being mean to Forrest about it makes me roll my eyes. Um, Why? It's not doing anything new. And I think it's frustrating to see Jenny like reject his help. And I, and not because it's like, she should have been mad in every instance. She was trying to make out with a dude in a car. Yeah, but it was which a, is, truly a misunderstanding. Yeah. So yeah. and so and then and- Forrest intervened, which was crazy. Like he shouldn't yeah. be A, like stalking her like that. Okay, yeah. Um, you're, right. you're right. She was at work where a man was harassing her, but she she was calling for the club's uh security to come deal with that guy yeah boy shouldn't have done that um and when the guy hit her force should have intervened but he shouldn't have mercilessly like, started like, continued to beat that guy up in, in in a black panther party of which he knows nobody at a very <laughs> tense time in our nation's history when there was a guy yeah. like two seconds before talking about how they were at war in the streets and like yeah. loading a gun Forrest decides to go off like that yeah um all right but okay. I get that it seems like it's there to enhance like the whole like uh make it 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 does I I get your point in that I feel like it does seem like it's there to make Jenny seem shitty exactly it's the way that it unfolds every time like there's these patterns that I think could be interesting but they're not like for instance there's Bubba dying Forrest mom dying and Jenny dying and all three times it's basically like the same tone the same pattern happens but there's nothing new being brought to the table in any of those so it was kind of like oh my god again somebody died I am like I'm I we get it we get it. He had people in his life who he was close to, who he loves. They died. And now he's going to go do something in their honor, whether that's like starting the shrimp company, raising a kid or whatever he did after his mom died. It's just like, we get it. That is why <laughs> that's probably what makes me want to roll my eyes the most. And then um, that's, a, that's a very cynical point of view. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have to apologize for it. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I just. I think that like, hey, w- what's more motivating than somebody passing? Yeah, but to, but it's like, why do we have to do that three times? Just do it once. Just do it once and make it count, you know? Because it's, it's 30 years. People die. People are going to die in war. Your mom's going to die. And then, you know people that you love are gonna die yeah but it's like I don't need this movie to be 30 years like I know that's the point but like I didn't ask for this (laughs) (laughs) I think 
that's how it, I don't know. Isn't that how it would be compelling? Is that like, because otherwise, what is it? A movie about a dumb guy <laughs> and like a small portion of his life? It's more interesting to take the simple guy and then just keep him simple for 30 years, right? Where like everything happens around him. But that's one of the things that I think doesn't age well about this movie is that it depicts, in my opinion, it depicts like people with like cognitive or intellectual <laughs> disabilities as basically empty vessels that are like along for the ride. And like, yeah, there is something to be said for like the appreciation of his like sense of innocence and like how that is celebrated and how it he's like sweet and he doesn't have, um, he ha- doesn't have to like over intellectualize everything. And like, that's great. But I just think that people with disabilities like his are like real people who can have depth and complex emotions, maybe even have political beliefs and all of this stuff. I just, and I know that in the end, we understand that, that Forrest really does love Jenny. Earlier in the movie, Jenny's like, you don't know what love is. And I think that she's saying that because she's like, well, you're mentally challenged. So you don't even know what love is. Like your mind is too simple to even comprehend. And that made me mad at Jenny. Um, And then in the end we come around and we realize like, no, that's not true. Jenny, you were wrong. You realize you were wrong, but. um, He, He is capable of complex emotion. Yeah. But that's the only one. That's the one is is love. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't. They get. It's a movie. They they can only. That's I mean, that's the crux. So of, much for in two and a half hours. In two and a I half mean, hours. I and you know, okay, <laughs> I get it. I, I point taken everything that you said. <laughs> okay. Um, and I do feel like there is this '90s fascination with. Uh, people with cognitive disabilities, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. They were really trying to get to the bottom of this question. Tropic Thunder notoriously Uh lampooned it with something that I can't say because I actually don't want to get canceled. We all thought it was (laughs) hilarious at the time. 2008, what a ride. Right. Um, But, so like I Am Sam, The Other Sister, uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Mm -hmm. What else do we have? Oh, we've got like the diving bell and the butterfly, mm-hmm. which is not like about somebody that's uh, mentally challenged, but somebody who's like literally in a coma. Right. Yeah. Um, and there was this fascination with characters that were impaired in trying to ha- A, have actors act them. Yeah. And B, trying to understand their stories. And I appreciate the attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I do think that it was coming from a genuine place of trying to empathize. Um, There was also like, I don't know how is this, is there something about Mary completely cancelable? Yeah, I think so. Because it's deplorable? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) In every way? Right? Um, I don't know, because there's also an argument to be made that I don't know. It's it. There's. Okay. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get engaged in a battle on two fronts. Uh, <laughs> there was this fascination, and some of it is poorly executed. Yeah. Uh, I do agree with that, but I I and this is gonna sound bad, but 
I am from Ohio uh -huh. and uh, specifically like parts of Appalachia and farm country is where my family comes from. Uh -huh. And then the other lives in trailer parks in Florida. Uh, there is a, a sort of anti-intellectual streak that runs through me yeah. and not saying that anybody has mental disabilities, but they certainly uh, don't engage in the type of intellectual discourse uh, they would never do a podcast like this. They would They're never, just... they would not have this conversation. <laughs> yes. Very similar to Forrest Gump. Yeah. They just kind of take life as it comes. Sure. You know, just want some looking for that next meal, looking for mm -hmm. that next thrill. Mm -hmm. uh, not really thinking too much. And I think that there is like a charm to that. And something that I really like about that, and it's I, I that like happy-go-lucky, not forcing things, not thinking too much, just keeping it pretty simple. That is something that is innate to the spirit of America in my eyes, and that's what I think maybe engaged Forrest Gump to and and holds us dear to our heart is because we are just kind of like you know pleasant, simple-minded, hopeful people. And I think that, I don't know, I think there's something nice in there. And it's like, you know, I don't, damn, you really caught me because I don't know if I'm articulating this well, but. No, I, I think I hear what you're saying. Like what I'm hearing is there is something to be said for optimism and hope and simplicity and that it, it's okay to live that way and that Forrest Gump like is kind of a recognition of that is that yeah like the Tao of Pooh like the Tao of Pooh right yeah have you ever read the Tao of Pooh I have read the Tao of Pooh the Pooh is always just kind of chilling looking yeah. out for the next meal yeah taking it day by looking day some honey one step at a time yeah other people are always fighting other people are having problems yeah. You know, Pooh's sympathetic to their struggle. He's not a selfish prick, but it's also yeah. like, he's just got to keep going. He's just got to keep doing him. And like, yeah. And I think that that may be what we were talking about. Like when I'm, <laughs> I kind of sounded like Newt Gingrich right there. This like super <laughs> simple spirit of America. Yeah. Um, I think is what this movie harkens for. I should know because my fiance really likes this movie and oh really yes like she can she can quote it and she does like she, this reminds her of like simpler times where mm -hmm. it's like things weren't as you could never make a movie like this today because somehow force would be co-opted by trump and it's just like no nah, this right. was just a movie about a simple guy who like loved people and lived a life I think that was a really poorly articulated point, but I don't think listeners don't out think there, you understand poor. me. <laughs> listeners, shout out if you understand. Um, shout out if you understand me. So I understand. And I'll also say that that type of like happy go lucky, just kind of like trust whatever happens, happens. Optimism is like the reason why Americans can be controlled and manipulated so easily. It's like, don't ask questions. If you ask questions or, you know, think like maybe things aren't so great here, then you're going to end up getting addicted to Coke, like fucking Jenny, 
and getting AIDS and dying. So you better yeah. not do that. <laughs> better not do that. All these people who are either like, you know, on both sides who are either like being racist assholes or people who are like a part of, you know, culture movements. They're both, it's like, if you're, if you're like asking any type of questions, you are a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, or you're just at that part on your journey. Yeah. Like we don't necessarily have to moralize for that. Cause I'm not sure if the movie does that. Like a movie shows that people can change. So this yeah. is a growth mindset movie, right? Yeah, People I mean, change in this gets, movie. She gets air conditioning for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and she has the most perfect little boy in the world. Yeah. He's just the sweetest little boy. Now, part of us is to believe that that's because he has forest genes, but uh, it shows us that people, like, I think a more conservative viewing of this movie is that people are fixed. That the second you fucking toot one uh, or have sex for money, it's over. It's over for you. Whereas the liberal point of view would be like, hey, man, like, we've all done some dirt. <laughs> shit happens. Like, I've done yeah. shit that I'm not proud of. Uh, and, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Right. That doesn't mean that I can't change. You know, I just thinking now, I too makes me tear up. Thinking about the, when he asks her if uh, Haley Joel Osment is like him and how scared he looks on his face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tugging at the heartstrings. I know. And you're it like, does. it's this gentle self-awareness that he has of, you know, that even in spite of what his mom has been telling him and he has done pretty well in his life, he isn't like everybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I do really love about Forrest is, and like one sort of like lesson that I think this movie presents that I'm on board with is that like, he doesn't have any ego. He doesn't get all caught up in whether or not he's going to win medals. He's not concerned about like how much money he's going to make. He's not concerned about, you know, how he appears to other people. Like he just wants to do right by other people. Um, but all of the things that like a lot of people would otherwise be like really caught up about and like really cutting in order to, in order to achieve. He's just sort of like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Cause he's yeah. the man. He doesn't care about money. Like money's yeah. cool for getting you nice pairs of shoes yeah. to do stuff in and money helps you get around, but money's not everything, you know? Yeah. I it's all the stuff that my, my simple family <laughs> taught me. I'm gonna, I have to say my favorite thing about this movie is um, Forrest Gump playing ping pong. I love that he's so <laughs> good at ping pong. It's so random. I like it more than the running. Like, I just think it's so fun. <laughs> he is like Tom it. Cruise. I mean, Tom Hanks. Sorry. It is like a Tom Cruise thing where he got very, very, very skilled at ping pong to play this part. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I love that. He's going through some pain in the hospital. Yeah. He clearly doesn't know. Like, this is how he's dealing with post-traumatic stress. You know, this right. is another great point about this movie that you made earlier, which is because his uh, mental process isn't as tortured, uh, but he does feel stuff. It's just like this whole movie is about how he channels what he just went through into a positive instead yeah. of making it a negative. So 
he's going through the same post-traumatic stress stuff that Lieutenant Dan was going through. But instead of gazing out the window and thinking about what might have been, he's yeah. just like, you know what? I'm going to play ping pong. Yeah. He eats ice cream. Lieutenant Dan, he does not want ice cream. No. And it's just like, it's about taking it and like the Dow Poo, like life gives yeah. you lemons, try and make lemonade. And it's like, it's also this thing that I've noticed when I go through personal tragedy, like I will just hyper-focus on an activity. And if as yeah. long as it's healthy, I'm good. Yeah, totally. Um, like you see all those, like I'm, I'm definitely going to be one of those people that when I lose a parent, I'm going to go even harder than I do already working out. Like I'll start running like 16 miles a day, (laughs) but it'll be better than the, the alternative. Better than Um, doing Coke around your kids, you know, better than doing blow with my, (laughs) my pre-K children. Yeah. Um, I think that that's another, yeah, that's probably a conservative message where it's like, Hey man, it's just like, we all go through stuff but it's those it's of us who are able to it. take love. Yeah. <laughs> man, that's a conservative message. That's what I believe. <laughs> I don't care. Um, it's, I, it's what I know to be true. Okay. <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I want to try and find, as there's something else in the Wikipedia that I wanted to talk about. Um, Okay, I, I love this quote from Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. I've never met anyone like Forrest Gump in a movie before. And for, the ma- for that matter, I've never seen a movie quite like Forrest Gump. Any attempt to describe him will risk making the movie seem more conventional than it is. But let me try. It's a comedy, I guess. Or maybe a drama. Or a dream. The screenplay by Eric Roth has the complexity of modern fiction. The performance is a breathtaking balancing act between comedy and sadness in a story rich in big laughs and quiet truths. What a magical movie. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you don't agree, though. No, I do. I think it's nice. I don't hate this movie. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I think that it's fine. I think it's overrated, but I think that it's fine. I could have loved an hour less of it, but I... <laughs> you wanted this. There's no way this movie works if it's an hour and a half. It has to be as long as this. Okay. I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot that I think we could have cut. Like, I think that a lot of the middle stuff we could cut. I think also, okay, this is unrelated, but I just need to say it. Isn't it weird that Jenny doesn't tell him about their kid? Isn't it weird that she waits until he's like five to tell Forrest about his kid? Well, because she probably didn't want to seem like she was hassling him for money or anything, or she probably just... She knows that he's going to accept her with open arms. She knows that he's going to love her. She probably had to work through her own stuff and make sure that she could be that steady person that she, Yeah. you know, Yeah. maybe, maybe she was doing some soul search. That's not a conservative message. Newt Gingrich would be upset. He was just like, you need to tell him. Single moms out here. At the moment of conception, you need to tell the father. (laughs) And she was, you yeah. know, she made a choice, her body, her choice to single body, mom it for five years. When did she get HIV? You know, because it's like, no that's one the question. For forest. That is the question. I don't know. 
and if so if so like how i don't know well i don't know that's a ball of wax i don't want to enter into yeah Uh, i don't think that they wanted us to think that hard about it but (laughs) (laughs) yeah this seems like it that is but that is strange right if they don't want us to think that hard about it then why include it at all yeah I don't know, maybe because, because it is like, a confounding oh, question. The AIDS crisis was a historical event. We've got to pack as many historical <laughs> events as we can in here. Honest to God, I think that's why they did it. Let me look this up. When did Jenny get HIV? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Here's an answer. No, because Jenny did not have AIDS. She had hep C. which was not named until the late 1980s. During the time frame of the movie, AIDS was a known disease, while hep C was not yet named and was largely not known by the general public. Jenny's lifestyle during the late 1960s and throughout most of the 1970s was that was what what we called hippies. She was exposed to unsanitary conditions and drug use, which included sharing needles and exchanging various bodily fluids with other people. It has been determined that hep C dates way, way back in history. People likely to have been exposed to the disease accidentally were people who served in the armed forces, da 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 Well, you say that it's how AIDS could be passed from one to the other, but AIDS was known and named when Jenny died. Hep C was not. Therefore, Jenny died from an unknown disease. Oh. All right. So that's interesting. Okay, cool. All right. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Uh... Uh, da, 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 da. In 2019, Forrest Gump screenwriter Eric Roth confirmed that Jenny did indeed from HIV/AIDS complications. Oh, oh shit! Uh, let's see. Oh shit! Oh shit! Yo! Oh my god! Tell oh, us. God. Okay. <laughs> During an interview about the film's 25th anniversary. Roth discussed the details of a sequel that was canceled after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. He revealed that the Forrest Gump sequel was actually going to open with the revelation that Forrest Jr. had AIDS, the results of acquiring the disease from his mother, Jenny. Oh, my God. Holy shit, yo. That, like... That's, that's crazy. Dark. That's crazy. You can't open a movie with baby Haley Joel Osment. No. <laughs> Holy... Are you oh my... kidding me? Whoa. Okay. And then they're going to try and make that have the same time. Actually, yeah. I would probably see that movie. I think that's <laughs> unhinged. That's <laughs> if they try and make it have the same tone, <laughs> that it would be like happy go lucky. Just like. <laughs> Sometimes life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Sometimes you get AIDS and you're a baby. <laughs> you know? I would have loved it. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, but it, I mean, the hep C thing would have made sense too. I think that we just, you know, the important thing is, is that she got it from being a part of counterculture, free love, whatever. That's so, like what we're supposed to know. If the screenwriter is telling us that, so Forrest is the father of the child which means that she had hiv when they had sex unless she had sex with someone after and then okay got it and gave it to the baby yeah or he could have just had sex with her and not contracted it which is possible that's possible so it's still saying that she got aids from a hippie lifestyle okay or at the very least hepsi but it the screenwriter's telling us age 
Wait, so per Roth, the Forrest Gump sequel had a more dark subtext beyond the HIV AIDS um, plotline. Darker than AIDS? Darker. One scene involved Hank's character riding in the back of O.J. Simpson's Ford Bronco what during the, the infamous 1994 <laughs> freeway chase in Los Angeles. And oh another God. scene had Forrest ballroom dancing with Princess Diana. Roth also wrote a sequence where a Native God. American character who Forrest befriends gets killed in the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. The sequel was ultimately canceled when the 9-11 tragedy made the screenplay meaningless. Wow. wow. Holy shit. This dude is one sick fuck, man. Seriously? <laughs> My God. Or is it just that there are so many more? Are there just more tragedies between like 94 and 2001 to draw from i don't know i don't know i mean it's hard to yeah. trump the vietnam war in terms and of aids i mean my <laughs> God. it really does sidestep the age tragedy like by making it about jenny yeah um it kind of gives it short shrift I agree, especially because we don't even really see her sick. She's like laying in a bed, but like by all accounts, like she looks physically healthy. Mm-hmm. Hold on. There's more theories here. Okay. Oh, no. They're basically saying what we're saying. Okay. This is, whew, Okay. my heart skipped a beat. <laughs> okay. So despite me loving Lieutenant Dan as a character, like loving his existence in this movie and how he's more layered and dynamic. I think one thing that really doesn't age well is when we just really briefly skim over. And this was the first time that I really noticed it was in this rewatch when Lieutenant Dan meets Bubba and Forrest and he tells Bubba that he needs to tuck in his lip or else it's going to get caught on something. Um, that really gave me pause. I don't think that, well, <laughs> you cannot it. say it's not because he's black. <laughs> I can. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say because you're putting me in this position. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> And Michael T. Williamson is literally playing the character like this. Yeah. And I also found that to be, I found the character of Bubba to be kind of a little bit problematic in the way that it was just like such a, just like the way that they like exaggerate his lips. It felt a little cringy to me. They were like, in case you didn't remember, this man is definitely black. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I'm not the person to comment on <laughs> the racial politics of this movie. I will say that the way that he's saying that, and specifically in that scene, I don't think that it's a comment on all black people. Now, to say that Michael T. Williams might be participating in minstrelsy of sorts, um. I think that there's a larger thing at play here, which is some Southern caricatures. Yeah, agreed. Which if Bubba is playing it up to be a certain Black Alabama Southern character, Forrest is doing the same thing on the white, like the dim-witted Southerner is a mm -hmm. trope. Yeah, and um, I, yeah that, that trope is a bummer as well to me yeah like 
Forrest Gump would have hit different if he was from New York. <laughs> yeah, know? he would have been. Well, he would have been like super. Uh, uh, he would have been like Irish or Italian, right? And he would have been like a ladies' man, and he would have right. been like <laughs> Eric Roberts in the Prope of Greenwich Village, like with a right. big, like giant Italian sandwich or something. Like, <laughs> um, I like stereotypes. I like when people are the stereotypes <laughs> in movies. I think it's fun. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with it. Because there are stereotypical people in real life. Sure. Um, yeah, I've met people that are so Southern that are like kind of like Forrest Gump. Yeah. I've met people that are so Ohio that it's like out of control. People don't even know like what so Ohio is. It's so incredibly boring that people can't even fathom it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love when I meet stereotypes in real life. They're like my favorite people. Because then you're like, ugh, you... <laughs> Now it is okay for me to continue stereotyping people because well, that's, just that's, that's what I do. Um, do you think that Jenny's apology at the end is enough when she's just like, Hey, Forrest, sorry. Um, I think probably in the past, I would have taken the traditional, uh, incel yeah. view, which is like, <laughs> it's, it's never enough. Right. Um, but Jenny was just a person that was trying her best. That was a monumental step for her, mm-hmm. even though for some of us, we'd be like, yo, but for yeah. Jenny to even get to that point after she had kind of lost herself and found herself again, it's a big yeah. step. Yeah, I agree. Did you see um, on SNL recently, Casey Musgraves playing the guitar naked, like Jenny? She no. Did, yeah. She did this like homage to Jenny and she was like actually naked. Playing. Do people do people know Forrest Gump still? I think did so. that get watched a lot over the pandemic? Like, do people care? I don't know. Probably. I mean, it's got like Bubba Gump shrimp and shit. It's, it is a cultural yeah. artifact. Oh yeah, we need to talk about Bubba Gump shrimp company. The Empire. <laughs> I've never been. <laughs> I live like been? six blocks away from it. I live from the like the flagship one in Times Square is wow right around the corner. I've walked past it several times. I've never been in. Wow. Uh, don't feel That's the a, need to. It's kind of a surprise to me, Will, to hear that you haven't been. I know. It's my favorite movie. And I am uh, yeah. this pod's foremost conservative commentator. You'd think <laughs> that I would. you think up. that you'd like go to Orlando for uh, spring break and go eat up Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. I mean, next time Newt's in town, I'm going to tell him <laughs> we got to hit up Bubba. I uh, mean, I... I've gone a couple of times. Is it good? I guess. I mean, when I rank it with with Red Lobster, it better than Red Lobster. Absolutely better than absolutely better than Red Lobster. But I mean, the last time I went there, I guess I can only judge it with the palate of like an eight-year-old. So that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Eight-year-old's like, got decent ballads. And as an eight-year-old, I was like, I love popcorn shrimp. I really did. I I really had a moment with popcorn shrimp. And I wonder if it was a result of me going to Bubba Gump Shrimp Company or if it was someplace else. But damn, popcorn shrimp was my <laughs> it, it was my shit for a little while. So um <laughs> we're getting to the bottom to of it. Bubba Gump for that. Uh, do you think Robin Wright would, after watching this movie in 1994, would you have anticipated her becoming one of the biggest stars in the world? 
No. No. Why? I felt like Robin Wright was not the character that I was most drawn to, like the performance that I was most drawn to. Um, Do you feel like our feelings about Jenny, conventional people's feelings that are less examined than the ones that we've offered up on this podcast that she just fucked forced over? (laughs) Do you think that that hurt her career chances after this? Like it, Uh, people didn't look on her favorably? Maybe. Um, Yeah, I mean- Because she has all the tools to be like on par with any other- leading lady at the time um she's not really funny in this movie thinking about the scenes where she's like contemplating throwing herself like off the side of the building or like contemplating like throwing herself off the bridge I didn't I like I wasn't really sold and I'm not an actor but I just felt like I've seen I've just seen a lot better like will they won't they jump off the side of the building type of who's your jam actress wise um can I ask you I'm can, I'm gonna ask you me. one because this is a real ask hot me. button okay <laughs> and I think I can get it uh, Scarlett Johansson where do you fall mm, I think she's fine fine like her in Lost in Translation I'm sure yeah I liked her in Lost in Translation what do you think about her in Marriage Story I actually didn't see Marriage Story sorry okay did you see it I did I think okay, I think, think that she's pretty I would say pretty good actress, but I've noticed yeah. that uh, she can be like a very bellwethery actress for people. Like people really mm-hmm. don't like her. Like they'll only like Lost in Translation. They'll be like everything else. She's boring or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your favorite actress. Um, I don't know. I think probably like right now, probably Issa Rae is my favorite actress, but she hasn't been in a ton of stuff, but like she can do like the smallest things just like with her face. And I'm like, oh my God, that fucking cuts so deep for me. <laughs> um, I am really into succession. Succession is my favorite show. Season three just started. Love it. Watched um, it last night. Oh, what did you think? First episode. Spoilers are fine. Listeners, if you haven't watched succession or you're not caught up, skip the next 30 seconds. I'm into it. Um I'm intrigued by, I think that I I can't tell who's going to win yet, Mm -hmm. but I like that Kendall is like making the right moves while also like still being like wildly out of control. And he could crash the car at any moment because he is like going through like a manic episode. Yeah. I think that it was, it was kind of surprising to me that they picked up literally right where they left off at the end of the last season. But I think it was necessary because I really loved the way that they showed like the unfolding of how everyone's going to react. And I thought it was so on brand for Kendall and his like coked out madness, trying to like poach all these people from his dad. And I don't know the way that he gets so like amped up from winning and how it is like, it, it is like a game to him. I mean, to all of them, I loved it. Yeah. And I love when Roman was just talking about like the game plan to like completely screw over his brother. And oh my God, I know. Yeah. Roman tries so hard to be Logan and he just can't do it. He can. That Logan wanted to make him CEO after he gave that speech because to him, it's all about who's the most ruthless. Right. And then he says that he's out when Roman calls him is like, yeah, you know, maybe it should be Shiv or maybe it should be Jerry or whatever. Yeah. And then, and then Logan's like, it's not Roman. Roman's yeah. out. 
you've got to take it. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking back. I think that Robin Wright, I would have expected her to have like a bigger career than this. Just because this movie was so such a big hit. I would expect yeah, Michael T. Yeah. Williamson to have a bigger career. Gary Sinise mm-hmm. is the only one. Like there's all these bit parts. Yeah. Sally Fields, like she was already huge, but yeah, this doesn't really take her anywhere. It's Gary Sinise gets launched. Michael T. Williamson stays as like a supporting actor. He's really great. Yeah. And a lot of stuff, but he never like got vaunted it's really surprising that for the popularity of this movie that this didn't rapid launch everybody's career it's crazy i mean it's a it's interesting to think so this is a robert zemeckis movie and he's also the back to the future director and Mm -hmm. i was thinking like the similarities with robin wright and elizabeth shue Mm -hmm. uh jenny i could easily i could easily see elizabeth shue playing the jenny role yeah, I could. Because, like, uh, essentially, Jenny's drug phase is Elizabeth Shue and leaving Las Vegas. Like, there's, like, mm-hmm. it feels like the same type of vibes to me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Elizabeth Shue has had a very good career. But neither of them, I think, were ever considered, like, this is the biggest actress in Hollywood. No, definitely not. And I wonder why. I guess they are in movies that are just, like, they're overshadowed by uh the the, the two dudes in it yeah they're yeah probably doc and marty and uh lieutenant dan and forrest yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um let's see if i got anything else for you oh a lot of talking to people without conversating yeah so forrest on the park bench is just talking to anybody He's talking at anyone who will listen I- Bubba, when he's talking to Forrest about shrimping, mm-hmm. uh, he's not, they're not having a conversation. They're just, <laughs> talking. just talking. And is that a commentary about people with <laughs> cognitive disabilities <laughs> that they're constantly just having long winded conversations with nobody? Because I haven't found that to be true. I found that to be true. People who are mentally ill. I think that it was just one of those things where it's like, this is a movie and I guess they're not talking the way that people talk. I guess it was more just like they needed to use that as a way to emphasize story. They needed like narration more than they needed, like a reflection of what real conversations are like. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Because it seems like it's a device too to let you know that somebody isn't, all that together upstairs totally the fact that he doesn't recognize that people don't feel like listening to him in the beginning um or that they're intrigued like he doesn't pick up on those social cues like the woman whose bus arrives and he's like aren't you gonna get on it when it's like clearly she's gonna stay and listen and the woman in the beginning who like clearly doesn't want to listen to him but he's gonna talk to her anyway like Yeah, I think it does kind of communicate like this guy doesn't really know what's going on around him. But I feel like that's not true because in other ways, like when we see him interacting with other people who he cares about, like he picks up on like what it is that they need and want. Not always. It it, it begs the question what his uh, what his mental uh, disability is. Right. Because plenty of people that could be slower on different cognitive processes are actually pretty socially aware he seemed to embody a lot of qualities that are usually associated with like down syndrome but he looks like tom hanks 
uh, he didn't seem to be like on the autism spectrum because he's like highly sociable. Not that people who are on the spectrum can't be social, but he's like, he had, it seems to move through the world and with his interactions with people with ease. And it's not, he doesn't get like overstimulated. Like he goes to the war and just like runs, you know? I've got a good thought. It's not a good thought. This is <laughs> what you just said. Okay. okay. <laughs> what if this movie was starring an actor with Down syndrome? What about like, what if, like, would it be better? Does that mean that it ages better? And does that fix a lot of the problems with the movie? I don't know if it would really do. I don't know if it would really do anything. You don't know if it I mean, I know that it would have an, it, it would have an impact. I just don't know what that impact would be. I think that it would take some of the moralizing out of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Because instead of you feeling like Hollywood is putting this on for me, because Tom Hanks is playing a character, if you had somebody that was actually had Down syndrome and that was written into the script, I think then you would be like, uh, feel like less manipulated by it. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. I'm a big fan of that. I uh, like this whole actor transformation thing. Like whenever my number one example of this is behind the candelabra. Oh, yeah. Which is like, why? Why? <laughs> like this is- you know, okay, I've been watching um, I've been watching American Crime Story Impeachment. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it is so absurd how they insist on casting people who don't look like who they're supposed to be playing. And instead they put them in prosthetics that are so extreme that they look like that scene in I think you should leave where the guy is in like full suit and is like I don't want to be here anymore do you know what I'm talking about that's what's how Saguchi is going to be like coming up yeah it's the same thing it's that's what like everybody's gonna I hate when actors are playing something just for the thrill of it like with like behind the candelabra it's like why don't we do you know how many uh, gay actors are out there that have been dying to play Liberace their entire life like like they were like it it was what what got me out of bed in the morning as like a (laughs) they were put on this planet to do that they are tremendously talented uh musically could play it in their sleep yeah. and it's just like yeah let's throw it to michael douglas and let him make out with matt damon for a couple of months and it's just like <laughs> it's so bizarre uh yeah. it's and it's so un- unimaginative casting like as an a-, a former actor myself that was the fun thing it's like seeing how far you could stretch but at the same time it's like we should just be giving parts to people and not like it is offensive for people to be taking on mental disabilities um on some light and it's just like why don't we just there are mentally disabled actors yeah um, we're like really good at their jobs just like we're really good at they're it, disabled actors of all kinds yeah uh walt jr in breaking bad rj mitt did a great yeah. job um but we don't give those people any shine and we let these other people imitate and yeah. it's not i think that that's where people feel manipulated and if we i don't know we're a little bit closer to the source it might it might be better yeah. I totally agree with that. I wonder where the line is because it's like when you're an actor, you are acting. And I agree that like people with especially like visible disabilities should be played by people with visible disabilities, like that kind of stuff. I totally agree. Um, 
Wait, so like Mel Gibson and Man Without a Face should be played with a guy who has scarring on half a face? Okay, yeah, that's like, it's like, is that the, where is the line? I don't know, dude. And, and a, lot, a lot of the time, I think that it's like, we need representation. What if it's core, core identity things? So things that you are born, right? Or so, things that are... Things then, that happen to you over time. If you're playing somebody who had like a transformation, but that's okay. There's certainly an argument that a lot of people make though, that a trans character should be played by a trans person. I think, I think the best trans character I've ever seen is Hunter from Euphoria. Yeah. Um, so I would agree with that. Yeah. But that's born trans, right? So if you're born a homosexual, like we don't have blackface because people yeah. <laughs> don't become, you know, right. uh, or so if you're born with Down syndrome, are you born blind? Are you born like, but if you, you can play transformation people like Lieutenant Dan, you lose your legs. You can play somebody who had a transformation. Right. I think that we just created a good rule that everybody <laughs> should abide by. You're not allowed to play things that you weren't innately born with. I hear for decree. Okay. There it is. I don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, there's going to be the exception that proves the rule, but I think that this is okay. Yeah. Well, I think that it also is kind of like, all right, does that mean that like every character who's mentally ill has to be played by a mentally ill person? Because uh, if you were born like, with that mental illness, yes. Okay, but if, if you're not you had that, trauma okay. that gave you mental illness, you can be played by an actor who didn't have that trauma. Okay, what I'm saying is like, let's say, let's pretend for a moment that uh, me, Molly Smith, that I'm not mentally ill, okay? First and foremost, but- That's a um, lie. <laughs> which is a lie. So we're living in that hypothetical world. So in that world, let's say that I want to play the role of a character who has a mental illness, but I, I'm Molly, I'm just an actor. I don't have a mental illness. Is it okay that I am taking that role when- another person who has mental illness could play that role. Can the person with the mental illness work on set? Yeah. Yeah. And like do their job in spite of their mental illness? Yeah. Um, were they born with it? Does that matter? I don't know if that matters. It matters to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think it matters. I, I just think like I get tired of... Uh, I think there's a lot of ineffectual casting and I think there's a lot of lazy casting and I get that it's more, and most of the times, you know what it is in this, in these instances, it's selling tickets. It's Michael Douglas and not some lesser known gay actor playing Liberace because Michael Douglas uh, playing Liberace is getting more streams on HBO. Um, But it's also like, I hate when I see, and I know that this has been happening since time memoriam, but like Jennifer Lawrence has an amazing performance in Winter's Bone. And then they essentially cast her to duplicate that in the Hunger Games, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm just like, man, like it would be cooler if y'all like had, uh, I don't know, a little bit more creativity around who to cast here or like stopped asking people to repeat them. I guess I'm just making the counter argument for what I would (laughs) 
They got me all twisted up. You guys, it's complicated. But um, I want to move on to our almost movie trivia segment. Um, Not because I don't want to hang out with you, but because my (laughs) friend won, she like won on the Price is Right a couple weeks ago and she's taking a bunch of us to dinner. So cool. um, So I need to leave in like 15 minutes. So let's get into almost movie trivia. In 1994, there were a lot of good movies that came out, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, And at the 1995 Academy Awards, Forrest Gump won Best Picture. Um, A lot of people were upset by that. And actually, okay, I read in 2015, the Hollywood Reporter pulled a bunch of Academy members. I think it was like hundreds. And they asked them to re-vote on past controversial decisions. Like if you had a second chance, how would you vote on this? And the Academy members indicated that if they were given a second chance, they would have awarded the 1994 Oscar best picture to Shawshank Redemption instead. Okay. So, and Pulp Fiction and, um, four weddings and a funeral and quiz show were the others that, uh, what a hell of a year. I know. Right. So I have a few questions for you about movies that didn't win the Academy award for best picture that year. Okay. Okay. So first question, uh, what was the official tagline for the Shawshank Redemption? Was it a miracles do happen? B, fear can hold you prisoner, hope can set you free. Or C, long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to light. C. No, it's B. Damn. The other ones I took from, they were from other like prison movies. I can't remember. Oh, wait, no, C was from Seven. Um, uh, I remember seeing A that somewhere. Was from another, it was from another prison movie. I can't remember which one. Okay, number two. So Forrest Gump has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 71%, critic score. Okay. What is Pulp Fiction's Rotten Tomatoes score? 96. 92. Um, you were, I think we'll give that one to you. That was quite close. I love Pulp Fiction. I do too. Oh, oh my God, Will, of course you love Pulp Fiction. <laughs> that movie was like made for you. Um, okay, number three, final question. Which film had a disappointing box office return despite its critical success? Was it Quiz Show or Four Weddings and a Funeral? Mm, well, it depends because Four Weddings and a Funeral, I know, was an indie darling. So I don't think you can call any of its box office disappointing because it definitely made way more money than it cost. So I'm going to go Quiz Show, which was a Robert Redford film. That is correct. Yeah, Four Weddings and a Funeral was like one of the highest grossing box office successes in Britain for years. I think I've ever seen it. I don't think I've seen that. And I don't think I've seen Sex, Lies, and Videotape. You know, I I haven't seen Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I would definitely recommend Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's cute. It's fun. It's creative. It's Hugh Grant pretending to be like a dork when he's undeniably hot you can't ask i do like you grant me too my fiance was obsessed with that show that was on last year at this time with him and nicole oh, kidman the undoing with nicole kidman yeah yeah i never watched it but i think i'm going he definitely to. isn't hot anymore but he still yeah, has his charm he, he still has something going for him <laughs> um well you did pretty you did pretty well so good for you you got like i would say one and a half out of three <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that that's, All right, that's, final, that's pretty good uh glass half full right will we love that 
blind optimism. <laughs> yeah. Okay, final segment for us, cancel or callback. This is where listeners send us the trends that we need to discuss from the late 90s and early 2000s. Decide if they need to be canceled forever or if they should be called back. We've been asked to discuss Rainforest Cafe. Cancel or callback? I never went. Um, Have you been to Margaritaville? Similar similar I've been to Planet Hollywood. I went Mm -hmm. to Hard Rock. Okay. Um, I don't know why we never hit up a rainforest cafe. I don't think I found it particularly appealing. Mm. I do. I don't know. I kind of like, I like stupid schlocky shit like that. Um, have you been to, uh, Casa Bonita in Denver? No. Okay. What is it? Oh my gosh. It's like this, um, it's a phenomenon. It's a, you could call it a restaurant, but it's like, it's like rainforest cafe, but to a whole new level, there's like really shitty food and there's like performances and they have this person who does like fancy diving into the diving pool. um, It's on South park. There's a bunch of stuff on South park about um, Casa Bonita and the guys from South park actually bought it just this past year because it was like unsurprisingly like going bankrupt (laughs) Uh, as a result of the pandemic no one was ordering takeout um because the food is disgusting and their plan is to make it better so see I like places like that I like even when the food is bad yeah um any place that's fun we used to have a what was it called it was called Tahiti Mm-hmm. And it was this crazy, it would have, they would have like, it was a Polynesian restaurant where I'm from. And so you'd have like different, like, um, so it's like chicken and pineapple and stuff and crazy mm-hmm. smoky drinks, but then they would have like live shows on stage. It was rad. It's probably yeah. like on some white Lotus shit now that I'm looking back <laughs> at it, <laughs> but it seemed fun. Or like Buca de Beppo, which is yeah. like a Italian restaurant that has a bunch of schlocky shit on the walls. I'm oh, a favor yeah. of it. Bring it all back. Bring it back. So it's very nineties. It's fun. Everybody calm down. Themed restaurants are fun. Like the food's not great. And I do love good food. So that can be a bummer. But if you go knowing what you're getting into, like go to Buca de Beppo, not for the food, but for the experience, same with rainforest cafe, Margaritaville, hard rock cafe, et cetera. Like just go with your friends, knowing that it's for the event and yeah. that's all it needs to be. Like, don't go, don't go every weekend. Don't go when your parents are in town and they're like, where should we go? But like, have a blast. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> Just have fun. That's all that matters. I agree. Um, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> pleasure as always. Love the hot takes. I said earlier that I was surprised that you loved this movie as much as you did, but I'm actually, now I think that was silly. I should have known. But you well, would love it. I wish next time I come on, I want to do a movie that I earnestly hate. Okay. We'll make that happen for sure. What's right? I can think of a couple off rip that everybody, I think everybody likes, but I hate. Okay. There's one in particular that everybody likes and I really hate. <gasps> okay. You're going to have to but we'll save it off there. Yeah, we'll save it. Um, but thank you again so much for coming. No, thank you this so was, much. This was a blast. I always. Am- I am wondering if you have anything that you would like to promote, anything you're working on, anything that you want to point us toward. 
Uh, no, just go listen to my podcast, The Good, The Dad, and The Ugly. Uh, three male friends. Just, I don't know even what we do anymore, but we have a good time. Uh, <laughs> just having fun. That's what it's all about. Just having fun, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, listeners, thanks for being here. Go follow us at Did That Age Well on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Molly Birdsmith. Rate and review. And tell us what you want us to talk about for Cancel or Callback. And uh, let me know if you want to go to the Rainforest Cafe. I'll take you out for a little treat. (laughs) Woo! All right. Bye, Will. Bye.